STEM Conference presents High Tech Sunday. On today's episode of High Tech Sunday, our hosts, Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean, sit down with the founder and CEO of STEM Board, Aisha Bow. Up first is Corning Incorporated's Manager of Technical Talent Pipelining, Dr. Mark Vaughn. Next is Career Communication Group's Senior Technology Editor, Lango Dean. Finally, our esteemed guest, Aisha Bow. STEM Board creates smart systems and solutions for large-scale, U.S. federal, and private sector clients. Prior to founding STEM Board, Bo worked at NASA's Ames Research Center, where she focused on miniaturized satellites and aircraft trajectory optimization. She has received numerous awards for her dedication to technical excellence and the principles of diversity and opportunity, including the 40 Under 40 Tech Diversity Silicon Valley, U.S. Women's Chamber of Commerce Emerging Star Award, and NASA's Engineering Honor Award. And without further delay, High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean. Thank you so much, Brandon, and welcome again, everyone, to High Tech Sunday. It's such a pleasure to have the opportunity to spend some time with you today and to get to know a little bit about our guest, who is none other than Aisha Bo. Good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Awesome. We are really excited about the conversation today because there is so much that I believe we're going to be introduced to, and I always have the pleasure of being part of the segment that allows us to kind of get to know our guests before we have them talk to us about the subject at hand. And STEM board lingo sound like they are really passions of yours. But before we get to them, we want to know a little bit about you. So can you talk to us about your journey? Where are you from? How did you come into a love for STEM. You are certainly someone who did because your background is in aerospace. So how did that all come about? You know, I like to consider myself the accidental engineer. I started my degree in aerospace engineering with pre-algebra in a community college. I was a student who was unfocused, who was uninspired, and who didn't really believe that they had a future in high school. I found myself somewhat floundering when I got to community college. And through a series of unfortunate events, which ended up being quite serendipitous, I discovered a love of math that would motivate me to transition to University of Michigan and receive an undergraduate degree in aerospace engineering and a master's in space systems engineering and eventually earn a spot as a NASA engineer. Very cool. When we think about NASA, it really is something that a lot of us have been excited uh, to seem to be re-engaging on of late, even though it's not necessarily NASA when we look at SpaceX, but we think about the uh, space travel, man on the moon, that kind of thing. Uh, and so I'm sure uh, that in this conversation, we're gonna learn a little bit more about, okay, what is aerospace all about? But before we jump there, you talked about being the accidental engineer. I think that is very cool. And you also spoke about serendipity. 
we here on High Tech Sunday have an opportunity to talk to folks about spirituality, uh, and there are certainly different levels of it. Is there a place that your own spiritual um, upbringing or your spiritual experience, uh, is there a role that it has played as you have been on this journey? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would title the whole transformation from community college and eventually becoming gainfully employed as but God. For me at the time that I began thinking about being a positive contributing member of society, I was lost. I didn't know what I was going to do. There were a lot of people that were around me who seemed to know from high school that they were going to go and be doctors and lawyers and engineers. And I had no idea. And even worse, I suffered from low self-esteem. I suffered from low self-confidence. I just generally didn't feel good in my life. And through this journey, I really learned to not only cast aside the limitations I had internalized, but focus on things that require faith in the unseen, which means that I had to focus on believing that somehow, some way in the future, I was not only going to be successful, but I was going to be able to survive the transition to a four-year degree, that I was going to be able to find the money to be there, that I was going to be able to compete, and that I was going to be good enough to earn recognition in my field once I matriculated. And all of those things came down to a daily deliberate practice where I wrote down my dreams. I started with, I'm going to go to a four-year school. I'm going to study engineering. When I look at my engineering options, I picked aerospace because that represented the highest form of my potential. It was the best thing that I could think to do if I was going to do those other things. And from there, the next best thing for me was, well, if you're going to study aerospace and if you're going to go to a four-year school, you've already made it that far, well, you might as well go and work for NASA. And it was a piece of paper I had on the back of my door, and I prayed over that every day. And I didn't really talk much about that dream because, as you can imagine, as a community college student, I was met with a lot of friction. People said, how dare you have a dream that big? Why do you think that they would ever take you? when they didn't want to take you from high school because your grades weren't good enough to be there. How could you ever think that you could become something that sounds so wild and fanciful? And so that was my daily prayer and was every day sunshine, rainbows and lollipops? Absolutely not. But over the course of many days, many months, many years, I started to see the progress. I started to see that if you can find a way to have faith in yourself when it almost seems like there's no way you will make one. So that really sounds uh, inspirational to hear you say that your dreams, which you would like to think that everybody will support, were met with conflict, but you still had to pray through that and now look at you, what it is that you committed to. And, and you said it wasn't all uh, sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops. Uh, and I think that that's important for us to note that sometimes the, the journey uh, isn't fun, uh, but it's worth it. And as you have gone through, you are living proof uh, that on the other side, you are a testimony. Uh, and so one more background question before we jump into STEM board and uh, lingo. How 
do you attribute or to what do you attribute your passion and what do you consider to be your mission? I want to provide opportunities that I felt that I may not have had or that I would like to have had when I was younger. When I look at STEM board and I look at Lingo, which is a self-paced at-home coding kit, we didn't create Lingo to be a consumer product. Lingo came out of a desire to provide a experience for those in underserved school districts where they could build things with their hands. I recall when we started our summer camps five years ago, the whole motivation was to go into these schools and say, hey, we're engineers too, because there are many students who've never seen a person of color who's worked in the engineering field. They have no idea what engineering is like, and they think we wear lab coats and pocket protectors, right? And to be able to put a face to engineering, to be able to say, what I do is really, really cool and it's relevant. It's applicable to your daily life. And this is why, and this is how, was one thing, but then to find out that if they had interest in it, they may not be able to explore it further because of limitations out of their control in their districts really motivated my team to say, okay, we need to, we need to create something so that we can better serve those who we come into contact with. And so we created these activities and we created these kits as leaves behind. We didn't, you know, they weren't a product. It was, hey, this is what we think might expose you. And here's enough in this kit for you to continue to tinker. And here's where you can go online to further your knowledge once we're gone. And maybe even create a little bit of a sense of community after we've left. And it wasn't until April when the pandemic struck that I was at home with my team. And I said, hey, you know, this is, this is a time for us to take this and let's turn it into a product and let's get it out there because this is like that situation where students did not have access to labs. The only difference is they don't have access to it in their home. So how do we help support educators? And more importantly, I strongly feel as, as somebody who has walked that walk of knowing what it's like to be one of the only or one of a few, I have a responsibility as a CEO as a citizen to contribute what I can, where I can. So if I have a company and if I have a team and I have a budget and I have the autonomy to create, why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I give the world something that I think it can benefit from? Why shouldn't I give the world something it can benefit from? That is a headline. So you mentioned being the CEO now of STEM board. How do you go from being an aerospace engineer to being someone who isn't just a volunteer going into schools uh, and thinking about, okay, we can bring a, a fun demonstration and, and leave the kit, but you've actually gone and started a business. How'd that happen? And how is it that STEM board was born? It's a wonderful question. I feel like I want to circle back to that comment about things not being sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops. Yet again, you know, it, it's funny, no matter how much you accomplish in life, there will always be somebody who doesn't believe that you can accomplish that next thing. So for me, when I announced 
over the course of about two years that I was going to leave my position at NASA as an engineer and start my own company, I'm fairly certain that there were a lot of people around me who thought I lost all of my marbles and maybe the kitchen sink. They thought it was bonkers. How could you ever, like what, you will never be anything bigger than what you were. I mean, how could you hope to leave NASA and have a career? It was almost like I was going to go and find a corner and just, you know, playback tape of my previous life and wonder why I gave it all up. I mean, it was really depressing to hear what the feedback was from some of those who were the closest to me. And what I started to realize is that oftentimes you can't tell people your dreams, you just have to show them. And you have to be willing to work as long as it takes. For STEM board, it was born out of an idea that I wanted to do two things. I wanted to have a company that was technical and engaged in a lot of projects that I thought were fun, exciting, and innovating. I want to challenge what people thought a CEO was, how they operated, what they look like. And I also wanted to challenge commonly held notions about careers. You can do a lot of things. You can be an engineer, you can be an entrepreneur, you can be an author, you can be a publicly respected speaker, you can travel internationally, you can do it all. People just seem to think that they can't for whatever reason and stay in one lane for decades. They limit themselves and I wanted to challenge that. But more importantly, I wanted to get to a point where I could do something tangible to create more engineers and scientists in the field, because even though we may have thought as a society that we'd made a lot of contributions towards equality and inclusion and representation, I think we all know, especially those of us who are diverse, that we got a long way to go. And we have to continue the work. We have to expand the work. And that means that we all have a role to play once again in telling our stories and being visible because how can you emulate something that you can't define? If you don't know that there are young women who are engineers who are running companies that are earning spots on the Inc. 5000 list without any backers, why would you think that you could do it? And that's what I want people to take from my story. Not that I'm a genius, not that I'm super lucky, but that I work hard and I would like for them to work hard at sharing their successes, sharing their stories, sharing how they got there so that we can redefine what the next generation thinks is possible. Thank you for sharing that. You made me think of a quote that I read today that said, no one has the right, R-I-G-H-T, to write W-R-I-T-E, your story. And you didn't abdicate your story to someone else just because they were not supporting your dream. You said that I'm not going to necessarily waste my time telling you, I'm gonna show you. And so now we have STEM board and we've got lingo. So let's talk about that. What is lingo and how did you and your team come up with this idea? Absolutely. You know, this reminds me, speaking of quotes, of a Michelle Obama quote, which is that we all have a place in this story, this American story. And for, I think, many of us, it has felt as though the American dream may not necessarily include us in the same way that it includes other segments of the population. Lingo for me is about bringing this concept of being able to create your own future 
by providing tech exposure and advancement opportunities early so that students and just people in general think differently about what's available to them. I mean, if you really think about my career and my life thus far, the takeaway for me is that I made this up. I made up a company. I made up what everybody does every single day for the last seven years. I made up lingo. I've made up a number of camps and initiatives because I feel like I know how to create, but I learned that through having a solid foundation in a STEM field. The thinking skills and training that I received in both my community college environment and my university environment empowered me with a level of confidence where I felt that I could create and I could do these things. So what happens when we give this type of stimulus to the next generation? It culminates in a statistic that I absolutely love, which says that 85% of the jobs that the students will do in the next decade haven't been created yet because they will create them. So why not give people experiences that allow them to begin to dream about what they can create? And so when you are not only living your dream, but you're actually trying to inspire others to dream as well, it begs the question regarding lingo, what's in a name? What does that name signify? Lingo came out of a conversation I had with a developer abroad. I was in Paris and I ran into somebody who was a native Parisian and pointed out to me that in order for him to become a software developer, he first had to learn English because coding is native in English. And it really blew my mind, one, the opportunity that I had that I never even thought was a luxury. Just by being born here and by knowing English, I didn't have to overcome a language barrier, although I had other barriers to overcome when I was in college. And so when we had the naming conversation about the kit, it occurred to me that we should name it Lingo because technology is a language. And if you don't know it, it's easy to get left behind. And that's what's happening. We are not teaching enough people the language of technology in order for them to keep pace with innovation. I love that connection. And when you think about it, there are so many things that we are not going to be able to stay connected to if that language issue isn't actually overcome. And when you said the language of technology, we have absolutely been faced with the realities of that deficit during the pandemic when everything had to shut down and we had to go virtual. There are folks, as you are certainly aware, what is Zoom? What do you mean Skype? Uh, how is it that I go to meeting when I don't go anywhere? Uh, and so uh, that language has been something that we've all paid a lot more attention to. But, but thinking about lingo, how does it help? What, what was the idea uh, that it could be used for? So the lesson that is the introductory lesson of lingo is a backup sensor for a driverless car. Think Tesla. So you learn software and hardware fundamentals 
while watching self-paced videos taught by an African-American woman who's a double degree from Cornell in computer science. The reason why we structured it this first, this, you know, this lesson the first way is one, we wanted to change the way that people thought about who was in the field because many students have never seen a person of color, let alone a woman of color, teaching them anything that's technical. Two, my team and I all came from backgrounds where we would have been hard pressed for our parents to have taught us these concepts. And so we wanted to have videos that enabled the learner to not require a teacher or a parent to have to assist them. They can just follow the videos and construct the activity at home. In addition, we wanted to allow them to be able to continue to tinker once the activity was done. So there's more in the lingo kit than what you actually need in order to create the first lesson. But in addition to that, we wanted to help those who teach STEM concepts by creating curriculum frameworks, which allow for them to learn alongside the learner. Because one of the issues I personally faced going and teaching STEM workshops was this desire for teachers and nonprofits to have STEM content, but an inability to create that on their own without some type of subject matter expertise. And so our kits not only allow us to teach these students basic coding concepts, but it allows us to build institutional capacity by providing STEM lessons designed by experts with curriculum frameworks that map to national learning standards. That is so comprehensive. The mapping to the learning standards is something that we often forget when we are trying to make an impact in a curricular manner. Uh, and so building capacity in such a uh, a, a long view, if you will, uh, minimizes the naysayers because you've kind of built in the work for them, which is huge, especially today when there's so much that educators uh, and advocates are having to try to contend with. One more question, and then I'm going to toss it to my co-host, Lango Dean, uh, for the next segment. You gave us a taste of what is in some of the kits. Can you give us a preview of uh, what might be coming next as far as lingo and the kids are concerned? I, oh. see you, I see you smiling. Yeah, I love everything about what we do at Lingo. We have the best meetings. The next kits are gonna be around music. We yeah. wanna teach students how to make music with their boards. The debate is what we're gonna call the box. My number one suggestion is trap lingo. But for now, the lingo kits will teach students how to build music that they can play through their microcontroller boards. Everything from Jingle Bells to your favorite bars from Megan Thee Stallion or DaBaby, right? That is what we're gonna be bringing in our next box. We have some other concepts, but the point for me is to make the technology relevant to the learner. While I would love for everyone to be an aerospace engineer, hey, I got to plug the profession. The most important thing for me is for people to understand that math and science, they're not, it's not a dead concept. It's active and you can engage with it and it can produce something that's valuable to you. But let me just show you, let me show you how, right? Music. Who would have thought? And when you think about how 
the generations that you are uh, actually reaching out to are connected uh, to that genre, to that sector, it really does bring STEM right where you live. Uh, and so that's really cool and exciting to hear about. I'm going to uh, stop. I have a lot more on my mind that I want to ask you. Maybe I'll get to some of it. But right now, I am going to hand <laughs> off to Lango Dean. Hey, Lango, how are you? I'm very well, Dr. Vaughn. How about you? I'm doing great, thank you. You're listening to High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn, Lango Dean, and our special guest, the founder and CEO of STEM Board, Aisha Bow. This week's episode is brought to you by the Bay of STEM Conference. Now, a word from our sponsor. So why be a part? If you're looking to improve your skill set, then our conferences are where you need to be. In today's world, people need training more than ever, even if it is a little refresher. And this is the place to learn. These are career-changing events that enrich your life both professionally and personally. If you're a student who is in college looking to graduate and want to find out what it's like to be a new professional, this is the place to be. You're going to learn from new professionals. You're going to be sitting right next to one of them. They need to tweak their skills. They're still learning. Sitting next to them is going to be a middle manager, someone who needs a little refresher on how do I deal with employees? How do I help them? How do I make them better employees? And last but not least, the person on that row is going to be the CEO of the next Fortune 500 organization because they want to find the hungry employees and hire that person. So who should come to our seminars? Pretty much everyone. Again, this week's episode is brought to you by the Bayer STEM Conference. Now... Back to the show. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have Dr. Bo with us today. The CCG community and Dr. Bo go back quite a long way, um, but, but that's a story for another day. Um, so today, Dr. Bo, you just said something. Hey, you've got to plug the profession, which is, you're an aerospace engineer. So before we talk about lingo, tell us what aerospace engineering is. Wow. Who is an aerospace engineer and what do they do? Wow, I think that um, in many ways that's really difficult to define because there are aerospace engineers who do a wide number of things. You know, traditionally it's the study of aeronautics and astronautics. And I think that when people think about the field, they think about rocketry, designing, you know, designing aircraft, the construction and the maintenance of those types of things, as well as like spacecraft and missiles and weapon systems. But it's such an incredibly broad field that I know people who are aerospace engineers who have gone on to be patent attorneys, who are entrepreneurs, they're CEOs, they're a little bit of everything. Okay, right at the beginning, you talked about the struggles that you had with self-esteem. A lot of young people, I know, you know, growing up, sometimes finding that confidence can be, can be difficult. You also talked about feeling uninspired and unfocused, even at community college. And it, it, it almost seemed as if you ended up there because you weren't quite sure of what the next step was going to be. 
but then somehow along the way you found your voice you kind of found a purpose and then you started thinking of going to working for NASA so tell us a little bit more about your educational journey and how you got to the position that you're in now what what challenges did you have to face and overcome starting right back when you entered community college and moved on from there to NASA and to this point? Sure, there's a saying that I like that says, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Where I started in community college, I was forced to think critically about who I was and what it was that I wanted for my life. And I'm actually happy that that represented a fairly low point because I could be ruthless and objective in the way that I thought about myself. Meaning I could say, hey, maybe you should try to have some confidence because you don't have any. I didn't have anything to lose. I spent so many years thinking that I wasn't going to be anything. What was the harm of spending a year or two pretending that I was going to be somebody? So that transition really for me focused around understanding the power of positive internal dialogue, of repetitive small actions, and thinking positively about the future despite a near-term negative outcome. I.e., if you have a bad exam today, that doesn't mean that you won't have a successful career tomorrow. And so it was life training me to have vision and perspective and more important patience because it was a five, six year journey. And so was getting the company to the point where I could afford to support myself again, right? That took three years of couch surfing, of staying in hotels, of just trying to figure out how to build a consistent revenue stream before I could say, okay, I think we've figured that out onto the next challenge. It's amazing that the transformation came or the transition began when you sort of told yourself, well, if I, you know, just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just told myself nicer things or just, uh, I was nicest to myself you know, and, and thought about myself in a nice way. If I just did that differently, if I just did that every day instead of telling myself every day that you're not gonna amount to much, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do this, you're never gonna be able to achieve your dreams. If you just tell yourself the opposite every day or, you know, once a day and you just keep doing that, it's amazing how things can turn around. And I think that that message is really important for young people because so many young people go through that phase where they, they, they doubt themselves, they doubt their own talents, they doubt their own gifts, and there's so many things that they're unsure of and they keep going down that road until, you know, something happens. Um, you mentioned um, earlier, or it's in, I think it's in your bio, that you attended school with your dad. Tell us about that story. What was that experience like and what lessons did you take away from that? Yeah, so what happened was my father and I ended up attending the same community college, although not at the same time. And I think it's amazing to see how 
the thing that the personal investments you make in yourself will inspire other people and in ways you never could have foreseen. For me, it was my dad found calculus books in a dumpster. He brought them home one day and he shared these books with me. Little did he know that years later, I would end up taking calculus with the same guy who wrote those books that he fished out of the trash. That class became the first time that I thought that maybe I was smart because I, I did well in calculus one and everybody thought that it was scary, like it was gonna bite or something. On to calculus two mm -hmm. and eventually on to Michigan where I received an undergraduate degree. My father received his degree in electrical engineering at 40. I am not 40. I cannot imagine doing an electrical engineering degree right now with three kids and all of the responsibilities of young children, right? And having to maintain a household. I then received a master's degree before my father did and he went back and got his master's in electrical engineering. And so it became one of those things where my achievement and his achievement allowed for us to co-create. That's an amazing story. Wow. You know, because it all started with your father finding these books that someone had thrown out that he thought were going to be useful for you. And you made good use of them so much so that he was inspired years later by what you had done with those books that he had given you. That is such an amazing story. I'm going to have to add that to my memoirs because, you know, listen, when I was a kid, I was just like, why are you fishing stuff out of the trash? Like, I don't know any high school student that likes when their parents bring things home from the garbage. But like my dad was always <laughs> that type of person, like find it, repurpose it, reuse it which is why he's a really good engineer because he'll find something in the trash and put it together and make it work. I was not that type of an engineer. I was more of like, um, you know, let's do math and let's make things work and a little bit more practical, but it goes to show once again, that oftentimes the very things that you think disadvantage you in life actually end up help making you who you are because we were poor, because we, you know, valued education, he brought these things home and he felt that he wanted to share them with me. You know, that's amazing. I also take, take something away from what you said, this diversity of thought. So here you are, you, you're a different kind of engineer. You approach problem solving or engineering in a different kind of way. You, you, you use math and apply it and that sort of thing. Your father sounds to me, from the description that you gave, is more of a tinkerer. You know, he would find things that nobody else wants and, and put them together or read them and, and make, make, make something new out of them. Um, so focusing on that diversity, what message would you have for young people who are drawn to science, technology, engineering, and math, but don't quite understand that the field has, well, accommodates diversity of thought, what message do you have for them? I would ask them to reach out and get involved. I don't know a single engineering colleague that doesn't remember what it was like to be young and trying to find their way. I love to take time and hop on now Zooms or calls or just message people and tell them about the journey so they can get a better understanding of what's in the field. I think they'll be surprised 
by how many people will be responsive and who are willing to give them their time. And don't stop until you find that person that is, because how are you going to know what something is like unless you have a first-end experience or you talk to somebody that actually does it? And I think that that is a opportunity that many people don't necessarily take advantage of. Get on LinkedIn, get on Instagram, get on Twitter, at DM, whatever, whomever it is that you are inspired by, and just ask them to share their story. And I also want to let people know that, guess what? We're all imperfect. You may see these accomplishments, but I'm a rock that I just spent the last 10 years publishing. When I was 13, 14, 15, I probably was a lot like you. You just don't know it because you haven't asked the question, right? And so part of what I love to do is just strip away all this pretense of, well, I'm CEO now and I have a business and I have all this other stuff. No, I was a insecure, unfocused student who over a course of several years learned these things. And I want to share how I did that. And I wish more professionals would be transparent about their struggles, the classes that they faced, the hard times, you know, the things that they, they, they thought went wrong in order for their life to go right. You know, that, that's a really point there, that you wish more professionals would share the struggles. And that's one thing that Career Communications Group does so well, because we have these various platforms where professionals like you, engineers like you, scientists like you come and share their, their stories, um, their career stories and how they got there, how they started, who helped them along the way. So, so it's important for young people to know that CCG, Career Communications Group, and the podcast and the magazines and the conferences and things like that are places where you can find people like that who you can ask these questions. Um, Going back to Lingo now, um, which you started in the middle of the pandemic, I love that name. Um, what success stories do you have that you can share about Lingo? Because this is the gift giving season. I know Giving Tuesday is done now, but so many people are looking for gifts to buy. You know, they're there, they're, they're kids, they're, they're sons, daughters, nieces, nephews. Um, what cool success stories does, can you share and, and what can you tell parents and, and carers and, and aunts and uncles looking for gifts to buy? Absolutely. I, wow. When I talk about lingo, I have so much excitement for it because I've literally been amazed by the way that people have responded. In the first 40 days of launching a product with little brand recognition, we went through over a thousand boxes. Our boxes went to HBCUs. They went to Fortune 500 like tech giant companies that wanted to execute STEM camps in the pandemic. We supported our partner Inroads in a camp that allowed 125 students in five U.S. states simultaneously to complete the project at the same time. And the winning student uploaded their design midweek at 4 a.m. They were so excited about their lingo kit. We had 60-something students in the British Virgin Islands compete in a STEM competition using lingo. It's been phenomenal. And out of it, I get the best emails. Initially, we thought the box would be best for 13 and up without supervision. But I want to let you know that 11 and 12-year-olds, they 
they write you and they let you know that they they finished the box. I remember opening my email and I received a review from an 11 year old who said, I just want you to know 11 years can do it too. That was it. That was the whole, that was, that was the whole piece of feedback. 11 year olds can do it too. Like they felt some way that my box said 13 plus and they needed to let me know. I had another student that emailed me and said, I did this with my class and I want to let you know how proud I felt because I am a woman of color, right? I'm a young student of color. And this was the first time my classmates had seen us teach them anything. And it was just so cool for her to have the way that the students around her think about people in the field change in real time because now they have an activity that a black woman is teaching and now they're beginning to normalize who's in the field and so she sat down and that's what she wrote i had another student say that she didn't think that she liked math or science but through completing the activity not only did she realize that she liked it but she wanted more material i mean she basically said okay this is great i'm done where's my next box and so it's been one, you know, one great story after another. I have loved what Lingo has been able to do. I've been excited by all the Upward Bound programs that use our kits. I've been excited by all the nonprofits that have been able to execute their camps and, and create a sense of community, even though they're in this virtual environment. And more importantly, it's been cool for me to watch students feel a sense of pride by diversifying the representation of who's teaching these things in the field. Wow, those 11-year-olds can do it too. And the young woman who, you know, just teaching it, like you said, seeing a different kind of person teaching something that is usually sort of like, uh, you know, like a couple of weeks ago we had, um, a scientist on, scientist engineer on, and um, she talked about this image of a scientist with big hair, um, you know, white male in a white coat and, and you know, frizzy hair. And so seeing that, you know, an engineer can be a black woman, a young black woman, that is just so cool. But I think the best, the best line for me is that 11-year-old, 11-year-old can do it too. So that's really wonderful. And I think that's a great note, great segue for me to hand it back to Dr. Vaughn. Thank you so much. It's been a fascinating conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you, Lingo. Always a pleasure to talk with you and CCG. Thank you. Dr. Well, Bond? It has been really cool listening in on this last segment of the conversation. So, Aisha, before we run, I want to ask you not a prepared question from me, but what would be your parting thought for the audience today? What is it that you would leave as a way of inspiration or maybe exhortation? What, what final word can we ask you to share for this time? I want to leave people with the idea that you can allow others to define what success is for you. I also want to encourage those who have heard this conversation to be more transparent about their successes 
as well as the lessons they learned the hard way. I want to normalize us sharing our accomplishments and allowing other people to be inspired by them in the same way that we allow other people to grow from mistakes that we can help them not to make. That seems wisdom, I would say, beyond your years, but it was absolutely <laughs> well said. So we would be remiss if we ended our conversation without asking you to let us know how can we find you? If someone wants to uh, check out a website, follow you on social media, how can they do that? Can you, can you let us know how we can uh, give people that gift of contact? Absolutely. I would encourage everyone to go and check out Lingo. You can do so by going to STEM Lingo, that is S-T-E-M-L-I-N-G-O.com. And there you can see our introductory box. We also were fortunate this holiday season to take our expanded kit and put it on Groupon. I love the Groupon deal because we were able to bundle in multiple project-based learning modules, a curriculum framework, and webinar support at a discounted rate. Go to Groupon, type in Lingo. And more importantly, I would like for those out there to recognize that we all exist because of your support. It is imperative for us as a community to not only support African-American businesses, but share, right? Like share, because retailers are grading our ability to be in the field by our presence and our ability to, to sell. And that's been something for me that's been a journey, right? Is like, is learning that this thing that we develop, that we put out there in the world also has to be able to compete with other segments in retail in order to continue to survive. And so that is a thank you. I appreciate everybody who's come to us who supported Lingo. And I appreciate everybody who's out there that's hearing this and taking the time to like it, to share it, and to see what, what we're about. That's the perfect one for us to end on. Thank you so much, Aisha Bo. It has been an absolute pleasure hearing from you, learning about your journey, and being introduced to STEM board and to Lingo today. And we are certain that this is not the last that we're going to hear from you. Thank you so much. And with that, I'm going to hand it back over to Brandon Newby to lead us out. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of High Tech Sunday. Career Communication Group's High Tech Sunday looks at professional development and technology through the lens of spiritual philosophies. In a time when digital information is more critical than ever, this weekly program is produced by and for CCG's community of alumni and professionals in science, technology, engineering, and math fields. The community runs from national thought leaders to aspiring students. And this weekly series aims to bring a concentrated discussion around technological advancements and achievements based on universal moral principles. The one-hour podcast will be streamed every Sunday. The podcast can be accessed through the Bay of Facebook page, Women of Color Facebook page, and CCG YouTube page, in addition to Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Please join us next time.